Hi, everybody. My name is Mike. I'm here with Tommy. Welcome back to a post-deadline episode of Driving the Basket. So uh, we all know what happened today, but uh, let's just start with what I felt was a very fitting sort of transition from what I guess we can refer to as the old era into hopefully a little bit of something different in the future. And that was last night's game against the Phoenix Suns, where we saw the combination of Jackson and Drummond, that duo around whom uh, the team had meant to be built years ago, uh, perform quite well. We saw Jackson as a typical self in the pick and roll. We saw Drummond uh, for once or for one of those rare moments really operating within his bounds, just uh, grabbing rebounds, taking easy baskets, uh, getting easy, easy baskets from within the paint, rather. And also a, a squad of teammates who were capable of uh, properly spacing the floor, operating uh, as part of a motion offense and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and just makes you think, you know, what would this team possibly look like if, uh, you know, because we were without Blake Griffin and have been pretty much all year. And so you think you look at this team that that's kind of operating properly and you think, you know, what might this team have been if you don't trade for Griffin, but instead you have a really good guy in the wing and some additional depth pieces with his salary. And of course, it's just that that's a big what if, of course, and probably things wouldn't have gone all to, gone all that great anyway. But it's something to think about. Uh, you know, I know you had thoughts about that as well, Tommy. What were those? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's funny to me that Stan Van Gundy almost stumbled him his way into a pretty good team if he had maybe drafted Donovan Mitchell. I'm not one of the people who like who's up at night thinking, "Oh man, we could have had Donovan Mitchell or we could have had Devin Booker." I'm not that. That's not me. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't dwell on on it too much. I'm just I'm pretty excited about what's to come now. You know. Yeah, uh, and I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> Van Gundy almost kind of half accidentally ended up with uh, with a good team, despite being a poor drafter and not very good in free agency. Uh, you know, if you'd been if you'd been able to to feel the lineup of of uh, Jackson, Mitchell, uh, Harris, Drummond, and somebody else, maybe you do okay. Uh, but in any event, yeah. So Andre Drummond no longer with the Pistons. It happened at the last second. It didn't happen how any of us thought it would. Uh, I think if you polled a million people on uh, whom, uh, you know, to whom do you think Drummond will be traded, I, I think probably zero of them, unless it was somebody who was just from Cleveland and didn't know about any of the team, but the Cavaliers would have said, "Oh yeah, he's headed to Cleveland." This was a pretty bizarre trade destination. Yeah. Hope you'll. Excuse the sniffling. Anybody who's listening, uh, dealing with a, a bit of a bout of allergies here, but uh, completely bizarre. Cleveland is a team that is in the midst of a rebuild, kind of a rocky rebuild at the moment, uh, having issues with their uh, with their with their new head coach John Bayline, and not looking to win this year. You already got Tristan Thompson there. You know if they think they need a center. Uh, Kevin Love is pretty pissed to be there altogether. Maybe he's on his way out this summer. Who knows? But. Uh, this just didn't really make much sense. Uh, and I, you know, just to get on the topic of the deadline, I really don't like how the front office handled things with Drummond, not in terms of trading him. I think that was absolutely necessary. And just the fact that he was moved turned what would otherwise have been an, an incredibly unsuccessful deadline into a decent, uh, not good at all, in my opinion, uh, overall. But you had these talks with the Hawks. You probably could have gotten him off early, and maybe you get a small return, like a couple of second-round draft picks. Uh, I think Atlanta has a bunch of them, maybe something uh, this summer even. Uh, but instead, you hold the price up high, and uh, and you don't budge. And Atlanta comes around to thinking, well, we don't want to trade away a first-round draft pick for a guy who might be gone next, uh, who might just be gone next summer, and who has some uh, pretty significant salary demands. So we're going to go negotiate with somebody else. They go and get Capella. And I get the feeling that the front office got bailed out by the Cavaliers because I can't think that the Cavs were, were a suitor all this time, and I can't think that that would not have leaked somehow. Uh, I, I think ultimately they got bailed out. A 2023 second-round draft pick, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not upset about the return. I would have been happy if he'd been traded for expirings alone because you got to get the guy off the team for several reasons. Uh, 
so that he doesn't opt in next year. Uh, so the Pistons will be worse. And uh, reason number three, personally, so I don't have to watch him play anymore. <laughs> now, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly that. Drummond, he didn't fit what we needed long-term. I think that the, the front office, somebody had mentioned at the beginning of the year, like all the moves that we made and all the stuff that we were doing had kind of pointed to the fact that we were stealth tanking, and I didn't believe it. And even now, I, I can, I can, I'm still a little bit uh, you know, cautious about believing that we really are tanking because I've seen those Fred Van Vliet rumors and he's going to cost a lot of money and we have that money now. But yeah, he just needed to be off the team because we needed to reset. We have been trying to do this thing where we take these few pieces and we try to add something onto it and then those pe- those players age and they get a little worse and then we try to build onto that and it's it just wasn't working properly so the idea that maybe the front office wants to start from scratch and find a bunch of guys whose timelines all work together you know that's a lot more appealing to me than trying to make Drummond work especially considering the fact that I mean yeah he could have opted in and that would have been just it wouldn't have been good at all I, I think maybe he could have had some value as an expiring at the end of next year, I, I think some teams might strike out and maybe you can trade him uh, at the end of the year next year, but whatever he's gone, we can focus on the Pistons now and the fact that they are going to hopefully start over and uh, do this thing the right way. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, of course, you still got, unfortunately, the Griffin contract on the books, and that's a complicating factor unless they find some way to get out of that. I find I find it pretty unlikely, but we'll see. I mean, I'd say, uh, yeah, Drummond wasn't working. I mean, we had seven and a half seasons of Drummond, uh, or rather, is that number right? Yeah, I think seven and a half, and um, yeah, that, that's definitely right. And yeah, it was important for him to be off the team because I mean, just the team needs to grow past that. Uh, you don't want him on the team next year because you you want to be able to have more control uh, over where your uh, where your money's going. But also next year, if you don't, it's it's possible. I mean, it's possible the Pistons will pivot and try to make the playoffs next year, and and, and in which case you might see them go after guys like Van Fleet or Harrell, and I think those are trap contracts. Like uh, one of Joe Dumars' worst qualities. Was that when he had cap space? You know, by goodness, he was going to spend it. And the the first uh, the first time that was that was Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva, and he just overpaid them because you know, oh hey, we have cap space. He went on and did that in his last off season when he was desperate. Oh hey, we've got cap space. Josh Smith is available. Let's go pay him. And sometimes you just, you know, that that's never a good idea. Yeah. You don't want to trap yourself into a contract uh, and into a really big contract for guys who don't deserve it just because, hey, we've got space and we don't want to throw a season. I think that's the organization really has to be willing probably to just consign next season to, hey, we're going to play the young guys and probably be bad and get a high pick in what's likely to be a loaded draft. So if you're going to do that, having Drummond around is, is counterproductive. He's going to win you more games. He's going to take usage because <clears throat> Drummond – as we've seen, if he doesn't get his looks, he just eats usage from other people. He does it in a bad way. So very important that he's off the team. And, uh, and, and you know, we'll get to see how the team looks without him. But also, it just wasn't working. I don't think he was ever going to work. Uh, James Edwards wrote a, wrote a really good article today. Uh, James Edwards from The Athletic. A very good writer. In my opinion, the best of the Detroit, uh, Detroit beat writers. Where he just talked a bit about um, the organization's viewpoint uh, I know Dwayne Casey last week talked a bit about it was in kind of like a back sort of oblique criticism of Drummond saying, well, you know, he passes the ball out of the post 50% of the time, which I think is a significant overestimate. I'd say it's probably more like 15 to 20% of the time. And he said, we need to have him passing out 90% of the time because, you know, this, the era of post players is over. That's just not how you do it anymore. You know, you can't get enough, enough good looks to score from the post. And I think it, I have said very uh, uncomplimentary things about Dwayne Casey and his ability to run an offense, particularly last season. This season, he remembered how to use such basic things as off-ball screens and to you know just have guys moving off the ball and whatnot. And the Pistons have run a somewhat decent offense uh, that get guys gets guys open at the three-point line a decent amount of time. 
Uh, and Drummond didn't fit. <clears throat> he didn't want to stick to his role of pick and roll man, of garbage man, of only get high percentage looks. He got the ball and he wanted to pass. He wanted to, wanted to be a facilitator. He wanted to score as a face-up guy. He wanted to shoot threes, which that ended mercifully. He just didn't want to stay in his lane. And you could see it when he wasn't in the lineup that the offense just flowed more like a typical NBA offense because he wasn't just taking the ball and saying, no, I want to do my things with it. He would never stay within his lane. And also you rarely saw him come out and 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 play a, a sustained stretch of games. His average teammate, uh, average, well, his average teammate and his average peer in the NBA plays hard as a matter of course, plays professionally as a matter of course, plays a team game as a matter of course. And uh, he... He just he does he's never done that. He uh, he's inconsistent and and he strays outside of his lane and uh, I don't think that was ever going to end. So uh, yeah, <clears throat> you know I I wish him well, but uh, I'm 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 relieved to have him off the team. And again, it's also uh, the team is probably going to win more games this season with him on the roster. And yeah. uh, now he's not on the roster anymore. It's it's just uh, it's all good, and I, I can't perceive any any negatives to this trade. So, yeah, that's where we are with Drummond. Uh, but beyond that, I think a lot of people expected more to happen at the deadline. Uh, Luke Kennard was briefly mentioned in in, uh, in a possible trade with the Suns that fell through because uh, it was going to be Kennard for. Salary filler plus uh, Suns first round pick in the upcoming draft. Apparently, the protections couldn't be decided upon. So, uh, let's talk about first off why you would trade Luke Kennard to begin with. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so Luke Kennard is gonna—he's going to get extended because he's—he's he's a good player. He's a good shooter, and he can definitely help some team uh, either as a really good sixth man or as just like that fourth or fifth best player. Uh, catch and shoot guy and that's valuable to a lot of teams because shooting comes at a premium these days but the Pistons shouldn't be that team who is going to pay him one because you know now our timeline has changed and and two you don't want to commit a lot of money to Luke Kennard Kennard is one of those guys who I think has pretty much already reached what can be reasonably expected of him you know he's not fast enough to be a point guard. He showed some passing, but a lot of his like shovel passes, it's not a lot of like crazy court vision or like whipping it across the floor. You know, it was just, he, he did his job and he did it well enough. And the thing that he did is going to cost a lot of money to some team. And I'm really happy that the Pistons are looking to trade that because for that, for mentioning Fred Van Vliet and the idea that the Pistons are going to, you know, try to compete again immediately I think the fact that the Pistons tried to trade Kennard for a lottery pick shows that the Pistons are really maybe taking a step back because if we want to do this rebuild right, we want to make it so that we have a lot of cap space until the first real big extension starts. So if we do hit in the draft and that guy is going to be like a max contract guy, uh, and hopefully there are a few other good players who are also going to be getting, uh, who are also deserving of uh, some big money. At that point, you don't want to have Luke Kennard's fifteen to twenty million dollar contract on your books because then you can't sign like the role players who are going to take uh, your team to the next level. You know, having Luke Kennard signed like a twenty million dollar contract and take touches away from young guys. If you really want to build like from scratch trading Luke Kennard is the right move in my in my opinion I'm happy that uh, the Pistons looked at it and I'm I'm sad that they didn't get that trade but if it if the deal's not there if if that if those protections have a good shot of causing that Phoenix pick to not convey then I'm I'm still happy that they didn't make make that trade it's not ideal uh because now I'm undoubtedly Luke saw that his name was uh, in those rumors, and maybe he's not happy with that, but it's just it's reassuring to me that maybe the Pistons are really uh, about to do this rebuild thing the right way. Because let's say that you think Seku is a real building block, 
he's under contract as a rookie for three or four more years. If you tank for three of those years. Three, yeah, three years. Yeah, those rookie contracts years. are always four years. Yeah, uh, first round rookie contracts, rather. They're four years. Gotcha. Yes. And if you want to tank the right way, you don't want Luke's contract, who he's been in the league since 2017. Yeah, he's in his third season. So he's got right. one more season under team control. Thank you. Yes. So you don't want that contract to be perceived as like the start of your rebuild because you want to get as many of those high picks as possible and hopefully those players are good and then right before those first big extensions hit you can sign those good bench players and good uh role players and you can do the you can do it properly so i'm really happy that they're looking to move canard i think that's the right move absolutely uh if it's not there in the in this uh, trade deadline, that's fine. Hopefully, Luke Kennard comes back after the All Star break. Um, and yeah, that's the other thing that is a real concern is his knee issues. He's already missed twenty two or twenty three games with that, and you don't want to commit a lot of money to that as well. I mean, you hope that uh, he, whatever it is, it's just not a big deal, and maybe it doesn't plague him for the rest of his career. But I don't want to consider Luke a building block if that's going to be something that's like a recurring issue. You know, it's we already saw what tendonitis did to Reggie Jackson. It took away his athleticism and Luke isn't the fastest guy to begin with that would potentially really limit what he can do. And you don't want to sign a guy like that to a big contract and then try to rebuild with that on your books. I mean, we already have one Albatross in Blake Griffin. Uh, we had another one in Andre Drummond, and that's part of the reason uh, that I'm still happy with the fact that it was just expirings and a, just a, a very, very insignificant second rounder. It's the fact that he's off our books and we have flexibility now that gets me excited. Yeah, I mean, I think... <clears throat> uh, like like I said, I don't, I don't know if we'll... The, hopefully the Pistons won't use that space this summer, but... Uh... But the fact that he's just gone, yeah. As far as uh, as and and uh, and hopefully for the for a rebuild season next season. But uh, yeah. So with Luke Kennard, I agree. I'm also glad that they that they tried to move him. I don't think he'll get paid quite as much as uh, uh, as you predicted. I'd I see him maybe as like a 15 million dollar a year guy. Who knows though? It's, you can always you never know what'll happen. I'll put it that way. Cause you know, with a guy like, uh, like Bogdanovich, I believe got 17 million. I think that's probably Luke's ceiling, but I, I agree. It was a good thing that they tried to move him. Number one, I like just the initiative that it showed. It's not that, Oh, here's a player and he's good and we can use him to win now, uh, which would have been the attitude prior to this season. So here's where I see Luke as far as his future with the Pistons. Number one, you're right, it doesn't fit the timeline. I mean, the the Pistons are going to have to pay him before they're really going to be able to contend. That's not ideal. And number two, the health concerns. Those are big. So he missed time last summer. So the summer of 2018 with a knee injury as well. He missed time to start the season. And then he suffered from again this season. It's bilateral knee tendonitis. If you have a guy who's that young already – suffering from uh, persistent knee trouble is that's that's bad it's just not good i mean tendonitis is is by definition an overuse injury it, it only gets better really with rest i mean if, if it's something that's uh, you're afraid is going to become chronic obviously you, you want to get what you can for a player without extending you know instead of extending him instead of keeping him with the team especially again because he just doesn't fit the timeline uh there's a third thing and that's that canard just occupies sort of a kind of precarious niche in the NBA, if you want to try to get uh, the most out of him. So like you've said, he's not particularly athletic. The guy, there's the wingspan. I mean, that's, uh, it's not athleticism, so to speak, but he's got a short wingspan. He's got a small standing reach that hurts him on defense. It hurts him on uh, trying to score near the basket as well. But he's also, he's not quick laterally. He's not explosive. Uh, we're talking by NBA standards, of course. And that hurts him both on offense and on defense. On defense, anybody who is significantly quicker, stronger, or bigger than him is going to be able to switch on to him. And, and more or less, unless he pokes the ball away, they're going to have a really good chance of scoring or somebody's going to have to come help. And in the quicker, stronger, and bigger category, that's the vast majority of the NBA. And on offense, he's, he's very unlikely to beat him to be in isolation. 
It's going to be hard for him to get to the basket, so on and so forth. Basically, uh, you have a guy who, in order to get the most out of him, you have to put the ball in his hands, and you have to run stuff around him. And I'm, I'm a little higher on Kennard than you are. Like, I think that – I thought that this season they should have just made him the backup point guard, just give him the ball and let him act like Lou Williams. Lou Williams, who is longer and more athletic, granted. We give him the ball and let him shoot a ton. So, basically – so, in order to play him like that, yeah, he has to have the ball in his hands. You're always going to have to have to be helping him on pick and rolls. He's going to have trouble getting in the basket. And there are going to be other guys who might just benefit more from having the ball in theirs. So he just, uh, he just, it, it's really, it's tough to put into a position where you're going to get the most out of him. The Suns, by uh, what Woj said, saw him as a really big minute six man, and I think that's his best role. But probably not for this team going forward, because the Suns are aiming to compete right now. There's also the fact that the front office may think the emergence of Steve Mikhailuk makes Luke expendable. Svi, I don't think will ever be the the ball handler that Luke is. Probably not the facilitator either. However, and he'll suffer on defense himself because he's uh, he's got the T Rex arms as well. But uh, he's substantially more athletic. Like if you go and look at his draft combine numbers, the guy is actually pretty athletic, and he loves to shoot the ball. He just loves to shoot the ball, which is great because he's good at it. And whereas Luke can just disappear for long periods because he just I don't know. Uh, gets off his game pretty easily or or something. So if I'm in the front office, I'm looking at him and saying, yeah, yeah, he doesn't fit our timeline. We're concerned about his health. And we have a guy who is probably not quite as good as him, but who just is fits the future better and it's going to cost less. So I agree. I, I think it's good they didn't just settle for a package. I mean, it, it's clear that, uh, that Phoenix was trying to have its cake and eat it too. Like we want Kennard, and we're going to give you a first-round pick, but, oh, we want pretty heavy protections on it, even though we're a bad team this season. It's like, get out of here. <clears throat> and uh, But I, I think I, I agree it was a hopeful sign that they were willing to move him. Yeah, I mean, and, maybe it's something that yeah. they revisit after the draft lottery and they know where that Phoenix pick is, you know? Yeah, possibly. Uh, or they trade him in the offseason at, at some other point, which, again, would be encouraging because uh, it means that the Pistons are, are not bent on just signing guys, whoever's available this summer, which which just has to be avoided at all costs. So that moves us on to some other guys who didn't move. So number one, uh, first amongst those is Derek Rose, who's, who's now injured. It doesn't look to be severe. Uh, it's been kind of bizarre lately how Dwayne Casey, uh, going up to the trade deadline, had allowed him to exceed his minutes restriction, whatever. Uh, Rose could have been a value to somebody. I think when we heard the reports that the Pistons were asking for a lottery pick, it basically set down the situation as uh, we probably want to keep the guy. If you want to get him on your roster, you're going to have to blow us away. And nobody was going to blow the Pistons away with a, with a lottery pick for Derrick Rose. The guy's that's just health is just too uncertain. Another guy you kind of have to play around. He's been very, he's been pretty darn good this season, but, uh, like, there was only one, like, real first-round draft pick, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, and only one pick that, uh, that looks to be falling in the lottery. Uh, actually, no, there were, there were zero picks that are likely to fall in the lottery uh, in the upcoming draft that were transferred to the trade deadline. Uh, the only unprotected pick was the Clippers' first-round pick, which will probably be like, between 28 and 30. Uh, and the Nets pick, which went over to, uh, I don't remember where Houston. the Nets pick went over to Houston. Yeah, uh, that, so. yeah, the the Nets are likely to make the playoffs, even if they don't. It's it's really uh, a pick in the low lottery. So I mean, just nobody was going to toss over a lottery pick. There are only a few teams uh, with playoff aspirations who could have. I know the the um, the Celtics could have. I, I don't remember who else. So. When you look at the situation with Rose, <clears throat> I still think it would have made sense to trade him. You get something for him, and he's not on a team. You have to play guys like Jordan Bone. You lose more games, and so on and so forth. And uh, I think we're dealing with a situation where the front office says, well, we got three things working in, in the favor of don't trade him. Number one, he's the only really entertaining thing about this team right now. Uh, number two, maybe you have him for next season, and who knows what happens. And number three, we made a handshake agreement with Arn Tellum, who's his agent, uh, that 
we are not going to trade him without his consent. And he didn't want to be traded. So it's basically like, well, we'll modify that a bit. And we'll say if somebody just offers us a package we can't refuse, then we'll trade him. But otherwise, we won't. And who knows? You can still revisit. This is another person you can revisit offers on in the offseason if he's healthy because he's only being paid uh, about $7.5 million next season. A little bit above $7.5 million, I think. And who knows? Maybe that might be valuable to some other teams. So I understand the way why it went the way it did. I, like you, would, would prefer that they just go all out at this deadline and just trade whoever they can. But uh, I'm, I'm not yeah, altogether I mean, surprised. Yeah. For the most part, I, I, I wanted to keep Rose. Everybody else pretty much, including Luke, I wanted him out. Uh, but I like Rose just because I, I know there are a lot of people who are just fans of Rose. And I like the way he plays. I, I know in the first quarter of the season, I gave him a C grade. And as the season's gone on, that's I, I, that's made me look bad because he's really put it together. But I like the pace he plays with. The young guys seem to respect him. He gets along with them. And it's it's some stability, you know. Yeah, so Rose stayed, and like I said, I'm not altogether surprised. I was surprised to see a couple other guys stay, and those were Langston Galloway and Marcus Morris. You got to think, all right, I got to think there was some market for these guys. Now, there were only three players. This was a relatively quiet deadline, aside from uh, aside from a couple of major moves. Uh, I mean, they're just uh, in terms of. Uh, the number of trades, it wasn't really altogether that great. You had that four-team trade, but your centerpiece of that was Clint Capella, who, you know, really just isn't uh, is, is a good but not great center. And then you've got D'Angelo Russell and, and Andrew Wiggins moving. That That's fairly big. But beyond that, there's not much happened. You have, you have basically three guys who moved, uh, you know, outside of that four-team trade where a lot of guys just moved uh, just for the sake of matching salaries and, and a little bit of matching values. You only had uh, kind of three of these second-round pick caliber guys who moved. One was James Ennis, uh, who was moved to the Magic, uh, I believe, because he still had the ability to veto the trade, but I don't believe he did. And then you had the same team that sent him out, Philly, uh, brought in uh, Glenn Robinson III, who after a terrible season with the Pistons, uh, actually did decently well enough with the Warriors. I think he was nailing about 40% of his catch-and-shoot threes after a mark of, I think, you know, below 30% with the Pistons. It's kind of frustrating because the Pistons could have had him under team control for $4 million. Excuse me, for... Uh, I actually think it would have been uh, would have been $8 million, so it would have been... Uh, their weight. I don't remember. Whatever the case. Actually, I think it would have been... would have forgettable player. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I can't even remember his contract value. I think it was it was less than the mid-level exception. Uh, so, so for him and for Alex Burks, Alec Burks rather. And I got to think, you know, couldn't you look at uh, at Philly and say, "Oh, we'll give you Galloway and we'll give you Morris, and in return, just give us two second-round draft picks instead of the three they got." Uh, it's just it gives me the picture, along with just the uh, the dilly dallying on Drummond of a front office that kind of said, you know what, we are just going to wait and try to drive up bidding, and then we're going to get screwed as a result, which which I think is kind of what happened. I think uh, I think they just uh, they just went ahead, as I said, with Drummond and, and ended up almost getting almost having him stay on the roster and, and getting probably less than the little that they would have gotten from the Hawks, which which would have been better than uh, than probably like a number 55 overall pick again i don't really care about the return but this is just in my opinion demonstrative i, I gotta think that's they waited on those guys too galloway's not galloway has had a pretty good season he's he's a good uh you know he's things i've said about him in the past he's he's undersized he doesn't really have much of a game inside the inside the arc but uh he's a fairly good perimeter defender and he's shot pretty well from three this season so he's a guy whom you'd think that philly would have been interested in and, and they were linked to him uh, Morris again, guy on the cheap. Uh, he could have helped them out, and uh, you know I got to think if they'd gone to Philly like last week and said we'll trade you these guys for two second round draft picks, uh, I'd be surprised if the answer would have been no. Or if you'd gone to the Magic and said well we'll trade you Markeith Morris for a second round draft pick, uh, you know because I think Markeith Morris is a better uh, is has performed if I'm if I'm not incorrect better than James Ennis this season. 
Uh, I think that the front office just thought we have these assets. Somebody's going to give us stuff for them. So we're just going to wait until the last day and, and try to get the most that we can. And, uh, and maybe you can't blame them for thinking that way, but it sure backfired. Because I, I think these are guys who could have been moved, even just for second round draft picks. Again, you've got the benefits of off the team, so you lose more. And even though you only have like a 25% chance of finding even a role player in, uh, in the second rounds, you want to have those picks. And why not? These guys cannot do any further good for the Pistons. And if you want to bring Galloway back next season, and it's, it's been said that uh, I think it's James Edwards suggests that because he's, he's a veteran, he's very well liked. Then you bring him back with the tremendous amount of cap space you have. And uh, Mark, Markeith Morris, who terrible as a starter and pretty good as a bench player, is uh, he's he's got a second year option in the in the biannual exception, which he will absolutely decline because he can get more than like three and a half million <laughs> easily. So uh, I'm not too happy the way that went. It's it's not like a big deal, but I think. It, Maybe the Pistons win one more game from having those guys in the roster. That's a bad thing. And uh, I would have liked to see more Lewis King because, you know, why not? you got the young guys. You don't want to have to play them behind Markeith Morris, who's going to play if he's here. Uh, yeah. You know, who knows? Maybe <clears throat> I've heard there was, there's, there's a little bit of talk about, oh, who knows? Maybe they buy out Jackson. I mean, it's gonna, the reports have been called premature, quote unquote, at this point. And uh, I'm all for it. It's like just you know let the young guys play, let Jackson go off and be six man somewhere. Uh, it, it surprises me that, for example, uh, uh, he couldn't have gotten off. <laughs> I don't know. Trade Jackson to to Phoenix for for Tyler Johnson's contract and a second round pick or something. Though I, I don't know if that would have worked under the luxury tax for the Pistons. I think it would have, but. You know, I was just not impressed with the, what looked like a complete lack of a, a, a very, very lackadaisical. We're going to take no initiative and wait for teams to come to us approach for this deadline. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's how it happened. I mean, we, obviously, we, we're not in the Pistons front office. We, yeah, this is we'll never know. Guessing, but yeah, yeah. But the other thing, or the thing for me, is that I kind of like that they didn't settle. You know, I don't know if they waited till just a few days ago or today to start you know really letting these guys go but i don't think that if they stuck to it if they wanted to get rid of those guys galloway and morris i'm sure they could have you know found a buyer and i'm sure they knew that i I like that they didn't take like a really crappy deal because if stefanski is going to be running our front office in the long term i kind of like the fact that he he didn't, you know, just back down. He's like, all right, fine. He didn't, he didn't give it up easily. You know, I like that he held out and hopefully, you know, if teams come to us again or if we go to them and it gets to that point of negotiations where, you know, it's like a game of chicken. I don't want other teams to think Stefanski's going to, you know, turn first. You know, I like the fact that he, he, he let these guys stay. If it was a bigger deal, like if it was Drummond and he, he didn't move Drummond because he couldn't find a big enough offer. Yeah, that's obviously that's a problem. It's Galloway and Morris, you know. So it's just it's seven million expiring at the end of the year. It's Morris who declines his option, and that's another three. He'll probably go sign somewhere else. I'm fine with it. You know, it's not a huge loss. And like you said, it's it's maybe it's one extra game that we win, but hopefully, people will kind of realize. All right, you actually have to you know meet these guys in the middle on these trades maybe they don't look at us and they're like oh these guys are clearly tearing it down they're just having a fire sale this is where i can get stuff for cheap and i can wait till the last second and they'll cave i I like that he didn't cave this time because ultimately galloway morris they they don't matter it doesn't matter if we keep them on or if we take them off like you said it's, it's hard to find guys in the second round they're not a big deal and they're they're not gonna add to our win total too much Maybe you hope that Galloway like regresses again, and uh, maybe maybe we'll we'll lose a few extra games. Yeah, who knows? Uh, I I just would have liked to see them go all the way. I mean, I think in this situation, uh, you just you take what you can get, and I don't think there's much to be gained by saying, "Well, we'd rather take 
even you know, I know you're you're in a minor, we're talking minor guys here in a minor return. I don't think there's anything to be gained from saying we'd rather take no deal than a bad deal. And like uh, the 76ers paid out three second round draft picks. I mean, that's that would, that would not have been a bad deal, even if it was only two second round draft picks. That would not have been a bad deal. And who knows? I mean, the, the reason you get so many draft picks, even if they're second round picks, is that maybe a hit on a guy. And that uh, that one guy you hit on out of maybe three three or four second round draft picks is more valuable than these two veterans on the team who, if they help you, then they're hurting you. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm concerned about for the rest of the year is I feel like the Pistons wanted to put themselves in position to A, lose as many games as possible, and B, let the young players uh, take as many of the minutes as possible. So... You know, you lose Galloway, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Kyrie Thomas, who's finally healthy again, comes in and shows you that, hey, he's actually a decent NBA player. He's, he's never going to get that chance now. And and I know that was an outside chance, but I, I would have preferred to see him get it. And uh, so I wasn't, I just wasn't particularly happy with, with the way it went. And I, I don't think very highly of Greg Stefanski either, to be honest. I mean, this is a guy who uh, in New Jersey took over a team that had recently made two finals, two consecutive finals, presided over its decline, moved over to the 76ers, had a very mediocre tenure there. I mean, after getting fired by, by the Nets, moved over to the 76ers, had a very mediocre tenure there, uh, got fired as well from that position. Uh, he, had, he went through six drafts. He only drafted one notable player. That was Drew Holiday. He, uh, the vast majority of the rest of them, uh, rest of his picks busted. I think every single one of his picks with the the Nets was a bust. Uh, I think Devin Booker, out of out of all of his picks in those three drafts, was the only guy who really had an NBA career. Uh, not Devin Booker, excuse me, uh, Trevor Booker. Right. <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. Definitely not Devin Booker. Uh, <clears throat> you know the the less good Booker. Uh, I think he's peripherally still in the league. So uh, he drafted. Evan Turner before three future all-stars and DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Gordon Hayward and Paul George. And he moved on to the Raptors uh, in the three years he was there. They averaged 25 wins. He moved over to the Grizzlies. Uh, like these, in these positions, he was just, he was executive VP of basketball operations, I believe in, in Toronto. He was executive, he was VP of player personnel in uh in memphis and memphis again they they presided over the decline he didn't preside over it but he got there just as they were beginning to go into decline like the uh the decision to uh they they could have traded a couple seasons ago tyreek evans they wanted a first round pick nobody offered it they didn't do anything that kind of <laughs> smelled a little bit like him who knows what his what his impacts were at these last two places but he was a guy with the, with, with a very 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 unimpressive management pedigree uh, who came to Detroit to? He was appointed as an advisor to help hire the coach and a new GM, a new coach and a new GM. Ultimately, hired himself as GM. He sh- I don't think he should ever have had the job, and I, I don't really have much confidence in him. He, he uh, he's made to date a bunch of small moves, mostly good moves, but they've been small. This was really the first test of dexterity as a front office, and I don't think they did well. So. As, as far as if I had to give a grade to this deadline, purely based on how they operated. Now, if it's basically how did it end up with um, and with Drummond leaving, sure, you give him like a B minus, you know, because it's not it's not all bad. You get rid of Drummond. Okay, that's good. You don't get rid of the other guys. Uh, you know, you get whatever you can for them and just and just get them out of the way so uh, the, uh, the youth can uh, play more. Okay, whatever. B minus, C plus. Uh, I would go ahead and give them a D because I still feel like I, I, I pretty firmly believe here that they drove away Atlanta by asking for too much, and then they got bailed out at the last, last, last second by the Cavaliers, and it could have easily gone very badly. Uh, and they also got nothing for the other guys, so I, I think that this went very poorly. I, I, I think, or rather, I think that it ended up kind of okay. Not good, but kind of okay. But I don't think that was through agency on their part. Unless just everything was hush-hush and Cleveland, of all teams, was in it from the beginning. And I find that unlikely. So you, I take it, would, would probably be a little more friendly toward them when you're grading. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, like you said, it's, it's different philosophies. I, I 
I like that they didn't settle uh, at this stage. And they moved Drummond. Yeah, maybe they could have gotten a a slightly better return from Atlanta. Uh, but if I mean, it sounded like they really almost did get that Atlanta pick. So I'm I'm kind of happy that they they had that asking price. Maybe it works out differently. But the important thing is that Drummond has moved. Uh, it really does seem like they're making moves for the future, and. A lot of the the small things, not even like the moves that we made, uh, bringing Grand uh, the the drive over to Detroit in a year or two. Uh, like we, I, I know you saw that post uh, on Reddit about how they want those guys close so that they can bring more guys up from uh, the D League or they can send some of the young guys down. Because I know I, I read a, an article. Uh, I forget who wrote it, but it was about Seku and his time in the D League, and he he said he really liked his his coach down there, and he had a really good relationship with them. So the idea of maybe that guy, I don't remember his name, don't remember anybody's name right now, but that guy being close by, I really like that. Like I thought when they were bringing the team down or up here, maybe it's just because like there's a better market here, uh, but the fact that they made that move with development in mind. And the fact that they tried to move Kennard uh, because they want, I think they want their timeline to be four years, which is what I've been hoping for for the longest time. I don't, I don't I like the idea that some people are putting out there of like a one year rebuild or we get this cap space and then we sign a bunch of role players and we try to compete again for the playoffs next year. The quote from Tom Gores, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, is encouraging. He said he wants to. Maybe take a step back and so that we can compete for more. And I really hope that I, he understands that the best way to do that, in my opinion anyway, is the full four-year rebuild. And I, I made a post about it ages ago, like detailing, like the, the best way to do it is not to expect to do what Philly did. I'm not advocating for a Philly, you know, sign the worst roster possible. Uh, I think we're already ahead of that schedule because we have Seku. We have young guys that potentially could be part of our future. And and the other thing is that Philly had a ton of injuries. The process was, it's not the sort of thing that you can replicate. It was not an accident, but almost all of their rookies missed like significant time, which caused their win total to drop lower for a couple years longer, probably. And it's, I mean, I know Philly is not the best team right now, but I think that's more due to fit than talent. They've got a lot of talent. It's just their talent doesn't work well. Anyway, that's that's off topic. I'm fine with what they did this time. Yeah, you you would have liked to have gotten maybe more for Drummond. It's it's hard to grade them just because we don't know what happened leading up to that point. We can just try to you know make make a guess based on what we saw and what we heard from the insiders, but for what we saw and the results and the things that we, you know, we got real confirmation from Woj. I'm fine with it. They tried to move Kennard. I wasn't expecting a huge return for Drummond anyway. I mean, a second round pick or an extra second rounder. That's negligible. You know, I'm just happy that the move that mattered, we made. So I'd give him a B, you know, you sure you could have gotten maybe a little bit more, but the important thing is that, it really seems like they're going to start over and maybe do this thing the right way. And I say that I'm I'm still hoping that Gores doesn't change his mind and he's like, oh, we could get Fred Van Vliet or some other role player and toss him a big contract. And yeah, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think maybe they've learned their lesson and maybe they'll do this thing the right way. I know a lot of people aren't looking forward to that, but I mean, out of the last 10 years, 12 years, honestly, of bad basketball, has this, has it really felt worth it, the fact that we didn't ever truly tank, that we always spent all our money, and that we always just tried to compete? It, it, me? No. There's like one or two really fun moments. And even when I watch games now, it's kind of sucked the joy out of it for me because I know that it's not going anywhere. But now it feels like it actually could. And this deadline 
has caused that. You know, it feels like they're finally making the right move. So for me, yeah, I'll, I'll give them a B. I, you know, honestly, just for that, for that, and in that context, I'd give them an A plus because if they really are going to rebuild properly, that's the best thing that could possibly happen in my book. Gotcha. Uh, uh, actually, I also have to say there's, it's just uh, uh, reading up on some emergent intel from, uh, again, from James Edwards, that apparently there was just very little market for for Langston Galloway and for Marquise Morris, that uh, that Galloway, uh, according to, to sources, he says Galloway just had very, very little interest in the trade markets and, uh, and the Pistons did their due diligence on Morris, but never got anything they were really interested in. Their trade offers didn't really develop. So, uh, uh, I guess I was a little bit too harsh on them. <clears throat> I still don't really like how they went about the whole Drummond thing, but uh, I guess I could say that if, if there really just was no market for those guys, then then the, the deadline wasn't uh, their performance. The deadline wasn't quite as bad as I had thought. Apparently, uh, one guy, uh, multiple sources reported on Twitter anyway, according to their sources, that uh, there were a lot of offers made for Christian Wood, but the Pistons said no to all of them. Uh, yeah. I approve of this. Yeah, I think Christian Wood is – he's just – there are a couple things about the guy. I mean, uh, somebody, if, if you're looking if – if you're the kind of person who's, who is in favor of kind of like a full – not process, but like total sell, everybody rebuild, I'm sure you see you say take whatever you can from the guy. Christian Wood's fun to watch, and maybe he can be an important guy you can sign moving forward, even if he doesn't necessarily fully fit the timeline. Uh, you got to have some things to like about this team. <laughs> you do. And yeah. uh, you mentioned the process. That's something I think the average – or some uh, some fans, I believe, worry about. Oh, it's a rebuild. Are we going to be like the worst team in existence for the next five years? The process will never happen again because of lottery reform. It was an extreme experiment in the first place. Like you said, they never would have been that bad if their first round picks hadn't <laughs> constantly missed a, a full first season. Like Embiid missed a uh, missed, missed a full season. Uh, Simmons missed a full season. A few seasons. Uh, Oh no! I think no. He played in his second season. He just uh, he, he played kind of lighter minutes. Uh, Fultz missed his first season, though he turned out to be bad. Uh, but in the first place, uh, looking at the for, you know for for anybody looking at the process is that is the uh, is, you know saying that's what a typical rebuild looks like is many tantamount to looking at Mount Everest and saying oh so this is this is what a typical mountain hike looks like. It's like it's not true. They're both the most extreme examples of their kind. And uh, I, I think, honestly, yeah, you might be right that a, that a several-year rebuild is the way to go. And there are teams who have successfully done that. I mean, the uh, uh, recently, like the, the Grizzlies are in a very good place now, even though I don't necessarily know if I like them taking on that much salary in, in exchange for, uh, for Iguodala, excuse me, in exchange for, uh, for Justice Winslow. But uh, you know they got two really good young players. Three, if you include Brooks, and uh, the Mavericks had their own kind of three season rebuild. They're they're going to make the playoffs with a decent seed in the, in the West. So uh, I think honestly the best we can hope for for the Pistons is a one and a half season rebuild. But I think that if they get themselves a decent pick, if they hit in the draft fairly well this season and then go into next season with just the young guys not looking to win. Don't sign guys in free agency to any more than like one year contracts with a team option if you have to. Uh, and um, and then just don't look to win and look to you know aim for a high pick in that draft and then look to compete after that. I, I think that's the best we're going to get from the Pistons and, and maybe that'll be enough. <clears throat> so finally, let's just look at what we want to see from this team heading forward. Uh, for the rest of the season. I will just say, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Andre Drummond list basketball because <laughs> I feel like the team just, everything flows much better with a group of guys who are willing to all buy into the system. Also, you'd be running a stretch five as the center, uh, starting center. That that should be nice. Just be fun to watch. I don't expect the Pistons will win many games. So, um, let's be honest, Drummond has just been terrible for the most part since, since the trade rumors came out. Uh, they'll still be worse. Uh, I believe than they were, and so I just want to see the young guys get a lot of time. I'd like to see Jordan Bone work his way into the rotation, and I believe he will, uh, unless they give that time to Brandon Knight, which would be a crime, uh, or Bruce Brown. I'd, I'd, why start him a backup point guard? Just let him play shooting guard. 
while Rose is injured, and who knows, maybe Reggie Jackson will get bought out. I'd like to see Lewis King get more of a space in the rotation because, again, why not? You see what you got there. Uh, and just watch the Pistons play some fun basketball. Uh, they got nothing to lose at this point. Uh, well, the only thing they have to lose is losing, rather, which uh, which hopefully they will do a great deal of. Yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, pretty much that. Let the young guys play. It would be great if we would do the thing that uh, you've mentioned a few times that Rick Carlisle did and put in the scrubs at like the end of close games, make sure that you lose. I don't think Casey will do that. I don't know how in he is on this rebuild thing. I don't know if he'll be the guy once his contract is up. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more Seku, see what he is. Let him let the young guys make mistakes. That's one of the things I didn't like that Casey would do is, or not even Kay, not just Casey, Stan, uh, is if the young guys made a mistake, they were gone. Like he, the, their attitude was, you have this this chance, show me something amazing so that you can stay in. And if they made a mistake or if the pressure got to them, you didn't see him again. And we saw what happened is guys like Dinwiddie. They go off somewhere else. They get a real opportunity to make mistakes. And maybe it's like a change of scenery thing that helps them too. But it's it's unfortunate when you see guys like that go somewhere else and shine just because they didn't get the opportunity here. And that's why I, 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 if, I didn't know that Kyrie was healthy again. And I'm really happy that he is because I really do want to see him get like real extended minutes. He looked really good in the first game of Summer League. And his game, I think, would translate just fine to the NBA. He's just a 3 and D guy. And... I'd like to see more of him. So I am looking forward to seeing just the young guys play. I, I, I'm excited about them already. There's finally something to look forward to, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. Like I'm flying high. Yeah. I, uh, uh, my, one of my concerns remains that Dwayne Casey, who likes to play veterans will play his veterans. Uh, and of course he's going to play the guys who are still around. You're not just going to tell, uh, Markeith Morris, you know, hit the road. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't think he's even a buyout candidate because he still has an option left. Uh, maybe you, uh, they probably want to keep Langston Galloway around. Like, like I said, it's been said that he's a useful veteran, a real professional. And uh, I'd love if Reggie Jackson, you know, I, I, I like the guy more than I used to. After that awful second season he had with the Pistons, he kind of came back with a different attitude. And uh, if you can give him the chance, if he's willing to, you know, to take a decent buyout, uh, well, basically, I mean, what do you have to lose? Let the guy, let the guy be bought out at this point, and and maybe go play back up on a contender or something like that. Uh, I, I just like to to have the Pistons in a situation where you get the the young guys as much look as you possibly can and as much chance as you possibly can and I think Dwayne Casey when he's given the choice is going to default to playing his veterans so in any event uh, that'll be it for tonight's episode Uh, as always thanks for listening we are always happy to hear feedback and ideas for future episodes and we will catch you next time